All right, we're getting started on the review of uh, the last daf in Yevamas, then we'll get to today's daf. Have a mind for Shlema, Tola Nidit, Amy Basvara, Yodis Basara, Rachaleah Basara, Yaakov Pinchas Ben Kayita, Michal David Ben Dvora, and Yosef Ben Mina. Okay. And we're. We're starting our review of uh, the last daf in Yevamas. We'll save, of course, the last piece, and then we'll get to the new Masechta. So um, we start off with a fascinating story about a, a, a guy, a Gentile, and this uh, Gentile uh, was demanding that a Jew uh, cut some grass and feed it to his animals on Shabbos. And he says, if you don't do that, I'm going to kill you. Just like I killed that other Jew for not, when I told him to cook me food on Shabbos, and he didn't do it. So the wife overheard it. The wife of that man, who he claimed to have killed, overheard this uh, boast. So she uh, took that question: Is that enough to rely on that now I'm allowed to marry, um, uh, get married? And uh, they waited. So she came before Abaya. Abaya said, "Let's wait till all the rabbis gather." Rav Adabarava said, "You know, what? let's go to Rav Yosef. He's a very sharp, and he uh, brought a raya from a Mishnah. The Mishnah is talking about." when you have a Gentile who's selling fruit, and he says that, that this fruit is Arla fruit, or from Azika, which is a city in Eretz Yisrael, even though he's selling it outside of Israel, or it's not to Ravai, any of those kinds of concerns, um, it's nothing. It doesn't mean anything. Uh, because he's just trying to make, you know, make a sale and make you think that he has the best, the best product. Um, uh, so the same thing over here, he's trying to boast over here, it has nothing to do with reality, and it may not. Be, it's not reliable to be true. Um, we saw some more stories of Yudin from each side and brought a story of a, of a Jew and a Gentile <laughs> traveling, and the Gentile comes and he says, "Oh, this Jew, so I feel so bad. We were traveling together, and he died, and I carried and buried him. And that was uh, just he was saying over the story, so that was good enough. It was uh, what we call Mesiach Vidumo." Another story was uh, a whole group of people and uh, going to Antukya and a Gentile comes and says that oh, this whole group of people, they all died and I buried them and on that basis they allowed the wives to marry. And a third story with 60 people traveling to the siege of Betar and um, a Gentile uh, came and said oh, all these 60 people died and uh, we buried them, and that was enough for marrying all the wives. Um, in terms of testifying about the body, uh, candlelight uh, is, uh, is, good, is good enough. Moonlight also good enough. And even if you didn't hear or didn't even have a body, but you hear a voice that says that so and so died, you don't know who's the voice, who's the voice coming from. So that's also reliable. Story goes that there was somebody who stood on a mountaintop and he said, uh, so and so, the son of so and so from this and this place is dead. And they went to find the body, there was nobody there. Um, but that was enough to rely and allowed the wife to marry. Another story of a, a Salmon that somebody said that, look, I'm so and so, the son of so and so, I was bit by a snake, I'm about to die, my wife is. Um, um, is free to marry, and uh, by the time they came, the body was unrecognizable, and that was enough to rely on. Okay, and they allowed her to marry. 
So Rabbi Barashmuel, first of all, says that Beishami disagrees with the Baskal, says you don't listen to Baskal. And uh, Beis Hillel uh, says you can rely on the Baskal. And the Chiddush is that even if you find another Stam Mishnah that says that you can't listen to Baskal, you should know that that's Beishami's opinion. Um, now, uh, the question is, why don't we concern ourselves that this person that was there who was saying this was a demon and he's up to no good? So if you this the name of Rav, that they saw him have the shape of a person. So the Lord says, but the demons also can take the shape of people. So they saw his shadow. Demons also have a shadow. Yes, but they don't have a shadow of a shadow. So uh, that's, the, that's the difference. Um, okay. Um, so that's the story. All right. If you want to know what the English word for the shadow of a shadow, I think it's called the penumbra. That's yeah, what it is. Absolutely right. Without a shadow, without. Without a shadow, right? So uh, pen, penumbra. Um, my daughter is learning. is a is a lawyer, so she said she was talking about uh, Roe versus Wade, and how the they what was the basis for Roe versus Wade, and they used that terminology. They said the penumbra of the rights, meaning the, the included in the shadow that the rights that they gave. Is you know these things also they made a sniff, maybe. right? They made a sniff, right? That was like, but that was the 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 way they worded it is like you know yeah you sure it wasn't written there at all, but they had a whole bunch of rights and you know so that that cast the shadow, but the shadow of the shadow would include that okay, which is very whatever weak okay, but anyway grasping at straws yeah it's very I thought that was fascinating whatever but anyway that's the use of the word that's where it comes in handy. Anyway, demons, uh, demons don't have those. Okay. Um, so, the, and that's what we found out. We spoke from Jonas and Shita. He was the, the, either the expert on demons or he himself was a demon. Anyway, that's the story with that. But why would we expect a demon to have a shadow? Because you, you can't see them, right? No, they're physical. They when they have, they can take the form of a body. That's the point. They, they're, they, they're exactly that. That's that they can, they can have a form. Anyway, so that's the story. Um, um, next thing we so we saw the Mishnah of uh, Rabbi Kivi says I went to Narda to um, do the Ibrashana and I found the Chemyo and he told me that he heard the Neretz Yisrael that they only that there's only Rabbi Yudav and Babu says that you could. Marry based on on testimony of a single witness. Let a woman marry. One witness says that the husband's dead, and he said, "Yeah, that's true." So he said, "Well, I want you to know that I have a tradition going back to Rabbi Kamliel Asakin that that is the case as well. I would go there myself, but uh, it's too dangerous." So Rabbi Kiva, um, Rabbi Kiva presented that, and when he brought that to Rabbi Gamliel, the grandson, he said, "Now we finally found an, uh, another, you know." It's not only an outlying opinion of Rabbi Yudav and Baba, there's others that also agree to that, and now it's, it's reliable. And uh, on that basis, he actually started permitting the women to marry, and al-pi'eid echad. And once they allowed al-pi'eid echad, they allowed even aid mi-pi'eid, mi-pi'eved, pi-shifcha, all of, we, we, you know, it started being even more lenient. Uh, Rabbi Lezer and Rabbi Shua still said that it's uh, that not to rely on one witness, but Rabbi Kiva said that a regular kosher witness, yes, but not uh, an Isha, an Eved, or Shivcha, or relatives. 
Um, Rebbe Kiva uh, seems to contradict himself because he said that uh, he does accept the testimony of women. It's only those five women that he doesn't accept, but but a, a, a regular woman would be acceptable. So the Gemara explains that um, uh, you're right. There was there was an iteration. The first iteration when he allowed it was only when it was a kosher witness. Then afterwards, when it started being established as we were trusting even even all these alternate people, so then he changed his mind as well. They told him that there was a story of B'nai Levi that uh, went to Tzor Ir Tamarim, and one of them got sick, and they brought him to an inn to be, you know, to convalesce, and when they came back, she said, uh, they asked him, well, they asked the, the innkeeper, where's our friend? And she said, he's dead, I buried him, and they were trusted. So uh, why isn't... Uh, uh, a woman like a, a kahenes, a woman with a lot of yichas, trusted at least as much as this innkeeper. And they said, "What do you think? You think we trusted the innkeeper? Uh, they didn't trust the innkeeper either. They, she had proof. She had his sefer Torah. She had his his staff. Other things. Those are indications that uh, what she was saying was the truth. So that's why we trusted her. So." Why is the innkeeper less than anybody else? The answer is is that we're talking about where she was a Gentile. Okay, so that there's less of a reason, and it was only with the power of Mesir Vituma where she was talking in a very, you know, matter-of-fact way. Um, and uh, she showed his things, and she said, well, here's where I buried him, etc. Now, um, so... Um, the, so the Gemara says when since they started off the question of where is where is our friend isn't that already not it's not like you're hearing a matter of fact like saying it as an aside she was directly responding to what they said the answer is there was a before before they walked in they saw her crying so they realized something was not right and therefore it's like she led the conversation okay um, there was a story uh, somebody came what yeah. We think throughout the Sidrek that uh, without the testimonies of his past away, if the gentleman passed away or not. I'm In sorry. In cases. Yeah. That without, we doubt. Mm-hmm. Can, yeah, I know this is a very goyish thing, but can we exhumate the body to check if he's uh, the right person? Uh, it's a very good question. Um, uh, I don't know what the rule is in that, but it could be that we would, uh, you know, now that we have other means of using, identifying, um, we can get some DNA samples or something like that. Maybe they would. I don't know. I don't know. Now how do they allow DNA okay. to replace the, uh, where you need a witness? Do they use the doctor who did, or the scientist who did the DNA analysis as a witness? Um, that's a good question. It, um, it's a, it's like looking at simanim, but the, the, basically the, what the rabbis take is that, remember we saw that this idea that the simon muvak is a reliable, yeah, but if it's a Gentile doctor, it would have, you know, the, there's a different reason why it would be, well, do we trust him? Do we have, do we need a double verification? Whatever, that's the DNA. Uh, but anyway, in general, they do consider it a simon muvhuk, like a because it's pretty much like a fingerprint. It's not right. Well, in order to identify bodies in nine eleven, they use DNA alone. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. That, 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 that's what they decide, That's what they allowed. Right? Exactly. 
but um, to exhume the body, normally we don't try, we don't do that in general, but maybe to free a woman, maybe they would allow it. I don't know. All right. Anyway, um, so there was an interesting story here about a fellow who came to testify about somebody that he's dead. And it was to, to Rabbi Tafran. Rabbi Tafran said, how do you know the story? So he said, look, we were traveling. An army came and he broke a branch off and he beat away the army. And I said, wow, you're like a lion. And he said, how do you know my nickname? Uh, they call me Yelchem ben, ben Yonason, the lion from Krashivcha. And, um, and then sometime later he got sick and he died. And uh, Rabbi Tafran said, that's good enough. It was version A. Version B of the story was that he questioned him a few times before and then only afterwards did he allow it. Um, so that uh, goes back to a basic question, Smachlokis, over here between Rabbi Tafan and Rabbi Kiva, whether you need to uh, do a drish of a chakira to questioning, make sure, try to catch him on, on you know, that he's going to stick to the same, exact same story um, um, or not. Uh, Rabbi Kiva says, you don't do that, and Rabbi Tarman says you do. The key, the key argument here is whether we look at this as the Deen in Mamanos, where we specifically do not do Drish V'chakira, or Deen in Nefashos. The question is, what is it more comparable to? There's Ksuba involved, so therefore it's monetary law. Also, but we're freeing her to marry, maybe therefore it's like a life, you know, life and death type of thing, and that was the argument. Now, um, bottom, the idea is, is that in monetary law, we choose to take a lenient stance because otherwise people won't lend money. So it's like a way of protecting the lenders that he'll maybe make sure that he gets paid back. Anyway, that's where we got up to. And that's the review of yesterday's daf. Let's...